My name is Abigail Smithson, and I am an artist and basketball follower who believes in the importance of bearing witness to sports. For this episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Carrie Ann Welsh, an educator, poet, and writer for ESPNW. Carrie grew up with baseball being a way of life in her family, but does not necessarily consider herself a fan. The way she approaches responding to sports is incredibly thoughtful, and the parallels she draws between baseball and poetry are critical and nuanced. Before we get into my interview with her, I wanted to read a sentence or two from Carrie's writing. Carrie says baseball can, like poetry, get us to pay attention to its smells and its sounds. When we feel we're wandering, it can bring us home. And that we will learn that nothing is permanent and that things are always possible and changing. We will become so captivated by the energy of a game that we will be present for it. We will forget to open our peanuts. Both quotes are taken from essays that Carrie has written for ESPNW that will be linked to in the show notes. I hope you all enjoy this interview. Please take a minute and subscribe to Dear Adam Silver on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating if you can. Thank you so much. Hi, Carrie. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Hi, Abigail. It's such an honor. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. No, as soon as I started researching about your writing and reading more and more of it it just seemed like uh it was a good fit for for what I'm trying to do here and I really wanted to start out with you just talking to me about sort of your approach to writing about sports and your relationship just to sports in general because I I realized that you're not necessarily a huge fan but you're also not casual about sports either they're they're it's very much an intertwined into your into your life so I just want to to talk about talk about that a little bit Mm, it's true I'm not really a big sports fan (laughs) um and I right now I live in a college town in the upper midwest where sports are a huge part of the culture and so it's but I guess it's kind of a huge part of the culture probably no matter where you live but I think it's kind of always been around me and I was thinking about how when I was a kid, we had these tapes of baseball songs from the 1940s and 50s. And, you know, one of them was the Count Basie song. Did you see Jackie Robinson hit that ball? (laughs) And like, and all these other songs. And I listened to them a lot and I loved them. And they felt, to me, they felt more like tiny little poems, I guess, than athletic analyses or something. And I think that's what I liked about them. They felt I felt nostalgic listening to them, even though I was like eight or nine years old at the time. But I think right. for me, it, it poetry brings to life this some experience that is kind of unexpected. And I think sports is like that too, because I think if you're really watching it or paying attention to it, it will reveal something unexpected, even though maybe you have these specific hopes for something to turn out a certain way. But I think I was... You know, I, when I was a kid, I wasn't really drawn to playing sports or watching them, <laughs> but I was really interested in the details and stories and like the images that they contained, mm-hmm. like poems, I guess. And my dad was a professional baseball player, so I think it, it was always kind of around us. Right. And and how did he 
sort of, so I, I have read your ESPNW piece that was a tribute to your father, and I'm wondering if you could explain a little bit about how he kind of passed on this love for the game that you translate into a totally different experience than what he had, and also how he feels about how you write about baseball. <laughs> well, I, I, he, let's see. <laughs> I think that from, I don't know how he feels about how I write, write about baseball, I think, because you're right, it is so different. Um, but I think what I got from him, because he was a former baseball player, and also he's now the color analyst for the Cincinnati Reds. And so he mm-hmm. has his role in the, is in the producing the narrative of televised baseball in the sort of soundtrack is filling in the, the actual color of the picture that's being painted. And I was so interested in those details, like not just line drive to third, but well, this person is a left-hander who has been against five other left-handers in the past month and hit a, you know, hit a lime drive down the third baseline or whatever. I mean, I think I was more interested in sort of filling in the images behind these facts that were happening in the baseball games. And I think he must have passed that on in some way. Um, I don't know if he would necessarily call himself interested in poetry, but (laughs) to me, they're not, they're not different. Right. And has, so when you say that you were interested in these, the, the details that came out of the stories, the stats, the uh, sort of this, um, not mundane information, but this information that is very specific and maybe important to a certain part of the game, but not necessarily a huge deal in other parts of the game. I'm just wondering how that became sort of poetic to you. Well, I think some of my favorite poems deal with really tiny, mundane, quotidian things that aren't necessarily profound or special, Mm -hmm. but they're sort of descriptions of a small thing, of like the way taking a step on a certain type of sand feels or the way, you know, the way holding a cup of tea feels, these sort of really bare but really rich and textured poems and I think the the more simple the more familiar they are and the more universal they can be really and in terms of baseball stats and the sort of background knowledge I think that also fills in and makes it sometimes makes people more human too I mean we we see sports as these as this field literally of a lot of expectations we expect a lot out of sports Mm -hmm. you know Yes. Um, But I think sometimes these stories and I don't know specifically how many, how much of color analysis on televised games is about making the players human. But I think that's something that it can, that it sometimes does. Um, But yeah, I think that writing about sports in particular is so interesting because we expect so much from our athletes. You know, we, we pay them a lot of money. We, expect them to make statements on political issues or or to not make statements about political issues. And I think there's a thousand analyses that can be written about the social issues that are illuminated through sports, the like body politics and gender and sexuality and immigration, race, capitalism and consumerism. I mean, I think all these things are revealed through something like sports, which contains all these things. But I think 
that for me, it's the being able to just pay attention to the way it's unfolding as it's unfolding. That's the most interesting. And that is the most, and sort of um, the the bones of the game that that rather than what happens after the game or just the sort of the little minute details is, is what is needed to create these bigger discussions. So I think that sort of paying attention to them is is honoring that in some way. And yeah, it's also so exciting when you know that someone maybe has missed their, has struck out swinging their last three at bats against a such and such pitcher and then they get up there and then they hit a line drive. And it, it just those this idea that knowing what someone's been up against and how that is their personal narrative that they're battling with and then when they are able to overcome it makes it more exciting than the person that can do great or perfect every time. Absolutely. I think sports totally symbolizes that, that that effort and failure that we see in every game. I think I think it is exciting and I think it's inspiring this effort despite despite knowing what the outcome will be. Right. And and that I think it's just interesting because our mindset towards sports is not necessarily what our mindset or my, our mindset when we're watching sports is not what our mindset is when we are actually operating in our lives on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes I think that I wish that all that I saw and all that I rooted for in sports, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, whatever, when I'm rooting for the underdog, I'm rooting for the person that, that is struggling, that I also was able to turn that around and do that in my own life, that I was able to take that energy and that, that, you know, so, so many athletes seems to have this mantra of that they just pick themselves up after they, after they fail at something, after they miss a shot, they'll spend all this time working on that shot to correct it and that they don't get phased by these, uh, tiny failures. And that is so not the case, I believe, in actual life outside of <laughs> sports that I, I wish that sports flowed more into that, the energy and the excitement that I put towards my favorite teams, I also put towards myself. So you, do you think that being a sports fan can be contagious for you? Oh, I want it to be. I want it to, I want it to spread to every... that sort of same energy. I want to be a part of every aspect of my life if it could be because then it would just be things would just feel more mapped out and also just there would be less questions asked maybe about oh am I doing the right thing or is this the right that it would just be let's just move forward with this that just seems to be the attitude of many athletes at least that's Mm. what they say in there in the documentaries (laughs) (laughs) In the YouTube <laughs> clips that I watch, yeah. What do you think? You know, I think it sounds like what you're talking about is kind of resilience. And how I was, I'm thinking now about how one of your missions as an artist in combining art as a practice and your love for sports and basketball in particular and being a witness, that makes me think of how and how and what you said about how sports, the energy that you give when you're watching sports if you could take that energy of like the sort of fierce effort and also compassion and letting go when you don't get exactly your way mm-hmm. and just moving on with resilience, it makes me think of, of um, 
something that Bernie Glassman, who is a, a Zen teacher who recently passed away, and he's the founder of the Zen Peacekeepers. And he said that when we bear witness, we don't have to worry about what to do and that the right action arises by itself. I think something that you're talking about is sort of a trust in the, the spontaneity of the moment rather than letting disappointment wash over you and and um, prevent you from acting wholeheartedly. I think in sports, it's like, oh gosh, it's, it can be really disappointing and then you can move on. But in life, when something is disappointing, that's maybe much smaller than losing the World Series. Right. It still feels, it can be so much more devastating. Right, and that if something wrong happens, it doesn't mean that that whole situation is wrong or if something goes wrong that doesn't mean that you did something wrong if that makes sense I think that you know if you shoot an air ball no one's gonna be talking about that air ball at the end of the game I mean it, you just have to move on and then shoot it again and that's and and and, and I so admire and 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 I am envious of athletes for being able to make such huge errors and then it's like it never happened and they are so quick mm. to just do something amazing three plays later or three games later that totally trumps any other th issue. Um, so I think that that's, that's a really exciting way to operate and a way to move through your job and that's what they're doing they're moving through their jobs that way I mean professional right. athletes <laughs> so I and just, we're watching all of those little air balls and the and the successful home runs and stuff that everybody does but what so but why do you think that sports is different from the rest of your life for example I don't know I feel like you're really turning the tables here um, <laughs> no I I don't know like I wish I don't know and I don't know why it it has to be I don't know why I can't Im sort of bring those feelings to my day-to-day -day activities and operate just that I am an athlete just not operating at like in a traditional way that I still can sort of take on that mindset I I'm not sure why that's not possible or why that, that can't be I mean I think I so much of the excitement around what athletes can do comes from you know their physical abilities and the excitement that that stirs in other people which is a really amazing thing and of course brings up its own questions but I just wonder if it's possible for me to sort of yeah or, or anybody to 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 create that excitement for themselves around around what they are doing and have the the mindset of an athlete without the the physical abilities. <laughs> mm. I wonder yeah. if that's why sports is so it it feels like it's permeated our culture so much, and we have so many we speak with so many sports analogies, and we it's everywhere. I mean, people are anywhere you go, people are wearing hats and jerseys right. and hoodies and stuff with sports teams logos on them and I wonder if it's maybe it does help us in some way maybe it is like some kind of spiritual practice that helps us just constantly see ourselves kind of like a poem I guess kind of like this this constant metaphor of 
not really knowing what will happen, but feeling connected to something and just letting it move through you. Yes. Yes. I, I see that the, the move, the move through you is such a, an important part. And when we're wearing the Jersey or wearing, for me, it's, it feels like I am sort of taking on that, that player, that that player is now a, I have to sort of represent them because I am wearing their last name on my back and that they, I have to sort of stick by them and stand with, you know, how they're, it can't just be about what they do during the game. It also has to be who they are. And I, I feel like that's an extra additional part of it to think about in how you want to sort of continue to, to let it move through you and, and carry the game past the past the 48 minutes or however the nine innings how how does how how do I get to sort of carry this on after the game is over Hmm. do you feel like wearing a jersey with someone's name on it lends you some of that some of that resilience yes yes I mean I think of course yeah I totally do I mean that's maybe a little wacky or a little pushing things a little bit far. But I believe in the, I believe that watching sports and feeling strong about sports is a spiritual experience. And that when you're wearing a Jersey, that is, I am, I am attempting to sort of embody what that, what that player does that makes them so inspiring to me. So yes, I definitely think so. What do you think? Well, I don't own any jerseys with anyone's names on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think when you see people in them? <laughs> but you know, it it is that's a that's kind of an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? You wearing this thing that I like what you said about sticking by them, which is something that I that I think is so interesting about being a sports fan is that some people are, you know, bandwagoners and they'll be Cubs fans when the Cubs are doing well or. Mm-hmm there'll be Yanks fans the next year. But I think that what you said about sticking by them, there's something so interesting about the loyalty of having a sports team. And so endearing about having a sports, a sports team that doesn't maybe do well. I know I sound kind of old fashioned. I feel like I sound like Walt Whitman, like sports ball. (laughs) Sports ball is our greatest (laughs) sports team. But I think that, I think there's really something interesting, no matter what kind of sport it is. I think being dedicated to to showing that you care about this this thing by showing up, by watching games, by you know wearing the colors or hosting parties to watch the games together or going to the stadium. I think that's a really interesting thing to gather around. And I'm sure that there's some sort of magic or spirituality that it lives there that lends itself to to I guess it's in, inspiration right it's not maybe it's not magic maybe it's just um this inspiration that can help you feel just as powerful like watching watching like the olympics or something for example is amazing because humans are all humans and then we all have different abilities mm-hmm. I think it's so inspiring to see someone do something with their bodies in the Olympics that I can't do and haven't tried to do <laughs> I right. think that's it's like how come that person can do that 
it's really interesting. And with sports that more than so than other things, I really am pushed to drawing a line where I say, I'm never going to do that <laughs> more yeah. so than any other thing, just because it's such a, um, just the, the physical capabilities are so at such a high level. I'm able to look at it as knowing that my, my place will just strictly be a spectator and a witness and not that I don't have to worry about trying to compete in any way, which I think is, uh, an, a healthy dynamic for for appreciation. Mm. I'm not I'm not threatened by the sort of physical abilities of of someone uh, of an athlete because I'm not I'm not worried about being an athlete if that makes sense. I just want their minds. <laughs> <laughs> what about their minds? Do you want just the just the sort of resilience and the, like picking picking themselves back up and all of that and uh, the ability to to just really focus focus in on uh, or at least the the most successful athletes really focus in yeah I think that is a really common thread isn't it that this mind body connection of talented athletes who talk about how important it is to train their minds right and that that is sometimes of course the physical ability probably came first but it's such an important aspect of what they're able to do is what is happening inside their head and what they listen to and what they don't listen to. And uh, it's just a really, uh, I mean, I think it's probably becoming more and more discussed uh, what, how, how important an athlete's mind is to their performance, um, especially with the the discussion of, of mental health and all, and all these other elements. But yeah, it's, I think sometimes underrated. And I, and I also think that there is something to be said about as far as sports events, games, matches, whatever being a spiritual experience is that it, they feel celebratory in many ways. Mm. And I think that part of that narrative might be pushed by having fireworks at, uh, you know, setting off fireworks at baseball games or the the singing that happens and things like that. But it does feel like as though we are celebrating something and and I love that aspect of it and I I want to participate in those celebrations I think even if I have questions about some of the the use of of patriotism to at at, within sporting events I still feel very strongly about sort of showing up alongside all of these other people that I don't know and, and witnessing and, and being a part of this this moment together. And I think especially sometimes in baseball that plays in because it's it's the beginning of a new season. It's spring and it feels good to be outside for the first time in a long time, depending on where you live. And I love that. I love that so, so, so much. That, I, that reminds me, I joked about Walt Whitman earlier and that line that I quoted in my essays um, is baseball is our game the American game yes I connect it with our national character and I think that's from a a letter Um, I can't exactly remember the source but he and I think in that same passage he talks about sports ball and how it's great because it gets people outside and keeps us hearty and (laughs) makes our vile and divine guts better but 
I think he, but I mean, so that's one thing that you're saying, you know, it, it gets us outside, it connects us with American identity. And Walt Whitman also is famous for saying, I'm large, I contain multitudes. And I, I think that it's possible to feel, you know, to sit at a baseball game, for example, in the spring and feel both patriotic and furious and confused and hungry. I mean, mm-hmm. I think all those things are possible because yes. baseball contains multitudes. Definitely. It is not a one-dimensional experience. And I think I, I often hold on to that sort of patriotic feeling so much through baseball because it's one of the only times that I'm overwhelmed with patriotism <laughs> or what that means and how that feels and that I want to be a part of what is happening in this country right this very minute in a very overt way. Um, mm. And so I hold on to that. But of course, I'm also, there's also a million questions in my head wondering why I've been sort of, you know, I, it's, it's about a little bit about having been like trained to feel that way at baseball games, I think. I think that's how I'm supposed to feel at baseball games. I'm supposed to equate it with this, this patriotic experience and that it is about being American and all these things. And so I also push back, try to push back on that a little bit. But it's hard. I mean, when I was at school at LSU, the, the baseball games in the spring, the sun would be setting down over the Mississippi and, and the, the baseball field is right on the levee almost. And there'd be these, you know, American flags blowing and it's spring and it's exciting. And yeah, it's all just wrapped, so wrapped up together. It's hard to figure out what is actually, what am I actually responding to here? Mm. Is it nostalgia or is it your actual experience? Yeah. How did you, when you were growing up, did you go to a lot of games? I mean, how do you, when you go to a game now or or see a game, are you thinking about it through this, this lens that you have sort of created where it's, you're able to kind of step outside of the experience. It's not just a baseball game. Hmm. I think I... That's a good question, Abigail. I think I sometimes am able to step away from the experience of it being just a baseball game in a way that's distracting. And I don't think that's necessarily the right way to watch sports is thinking about the social and cultural cultural implications mm-hmm. or issues that are at stake there. I don't think it's, I think those are part of it. And I have a tendency to get distracted by those things. Um, and I also think that when I'm at a baseball game. I can't help but remember being a kid at a baseball game right. and thinking about, you know, the pictures that we've seen from the 1940s, the good old days of baseball when people would wear, um, would wear like suits and dresses to games in the fifties. And now it, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. And thinking about like my, my grandparents' first date in Brooklyn was at a baseball game. Wow. And my grandmother wore a dress and high heels, of course. And she said her feet were so, were in so much pain by the end of the game that she never wore heels again. <laughs> but, you know, these are the, that's, I think there's, there is a lot of nostalgia there. And I don't think that nostalgia in my, is different from the the lens that I watch baseball through. I think it's, all just part of the same experience. And when Mm -hmm. I can just be there, and I think this is where baseball is a little bit different maybe from other sports, but when 
there just seems to be a little bit more um, social like spaciousness built in, like time for built in for breaks and for chatting and for snacking and getting another drink. <laughs> I think right. that's built in in a different way than in other sports. Yes, I think that baseball seems, I mean, there's plenty of things that happen at other games that kind of offer you the chance to socialize, but I think baseball does it in the most seamless way that feels like it's rooted in tradition, whereas when shirts are being sort of, I forget the thing that they use, but it's like this huge like rubber band that shoots, or the shirt guns or whatever that yeah. shoots shirts into the um stands uh you know at the end of the third quarter in a basketball game it doesn't feel rooted anywhere it just feels like let's give you some like free stuff so keep the fans happy it doesn't feel that that is a is a part of of some long-standing tradition so I think that baseball does has done a good job of of sort of keeping things at which I mean is is an interesting thing because also the the game of basketball has maybe changed more how the game is played, maybe more so than, than baseball has, but baseball also has this nostalgia attached to it that I think basketball just does not, does not exist. And, and baseball is so much older than basketball. So that makes sense. I just also think that baseball has, has stayed a certain way, maybe more so than basketball. I'm not totally sure about that but that's the way it feels to me. Mm. I think it's even more interesting then to think about what, or maybe maybe what we need to do is expand our idea of what patriotic means. If we have an idea of how things should be, but they aren't like that, maybe that's patriotic too. I, I think this idea that baseball is like the great American pastime and is really interesting because I think, I I think I read somewhere that more than a quarter of professional baseball players were born out of the U S. So that's interesting to me. Right. Who are we talking about when we're talking about baseball being an American sport? Right. And that this, the whole idea of it being so, um, this r- romanticizing of it in the past also has to totally like butt up against the segregation that I, all professional sports were a part of for a very long time and, and that you know in the 1940s and in the 1950s baseball was not a welcoming place even after Jackie Robinson for, for African American players um, so it's just there's so many dimensions to each of these issues I feel like about what it, what it, yeah, of course, what it means to be a patriot or patriotic and how that is expressed through sports and how you can express it and sort of following traditions and norms and taking off your hat and standing up and showing this respect in some way. Is that always, you know, and and of course, I don't think that that is how patriotism is expressed at its highest level. Because uh, I don't think that there's like critical thinking involved in that necessarily, which critical thinking is not always needed, but it does help to to rework, um, rework and and 
and, and think through things that have been going on for years. I wonder how that connects with, like, what is the relationship between what you're describing as critical thinking and participation in being a sports fan? Yes, and and I feel obligated to think critically about sports as a sports fan. I don't know if that is something that everyone wants, or but I think that that is that plays into this idea of wanting to be a witness and bear witness and wanting to think about something twice. Or maybe even to to try to the the way I hear you talk about bearing witness seems to be beyond observation and more like almost an embodiment. And I think once you start to embody something, it feels you realize that you're not actually a spectator or just watching. You're you're part of it. You're connected. And I think that's what makes it really hard for me, for example, to like be interested in football when I know the harm that it's causing people's mm-hmm. brains. <laughs> yes. And, and it also, I, I mean, I, it's not, of course, that either, or <laughs> it's, it's, it's a complicated thing. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where I keep coming back to poetry because poetry feels sometimes like the only way to understand anything. I think there's space for all these multitudes that Whitman talks about. I think there's space for the details. I think there's space for the, how your hand feels around a mug of tea. And there's space for all these questions. I think sometimes when we refer to sports as being particularly patriotic or having to be a certain way or expecting players to do something specific that is limiting and it that it doesn't feel it's harder to connect with it that way honestly and it makes it way less interesting mm-hmm. I think wanting the same set of events or sequence or whatever it is to happen repeatedly as it brings you comfort is understandable, but also just knowing that when you have a league that's made up of hundreds and hundreds of players, everyone has different thoughts about these things, issues, social issues, whatever it is, and there's no one way to be. And I think that I had to relearn that because when the whole issue of kneeling in the national for the national anthem was sort of at its peak and... This was in the summer of 2017 that it was being discussed so much. And right before the basketball season was about to start, Adam Silver sent out a memo to, like an interleague memo to coaches and owners and players, just reminding them that they had to stand for the national anthem. That, you know, the NFL does not, did not have a rule, but the, the NBA has had a rule. And he was reminding them. And I kind of, you know, I got, upset because I just don't think that there's I just don't think you should sort of 
try to control what someone does with their body peacefully. Uh, if pe- players want to kneel, they should be able to kneel. That's not causing any physical harm to anybody else. And so I got, you know, very worked up and I really wanted that first night of the NBA and that season that was 2017, 2018, I wanted every player to kneel <laughs> and no one kneeled. And then I had to check myself because I was like, well, maybe some people didn't want to. I mean, not only did they send out this memo and so kneeling would then be sort of pushing back um, and breaking a rule. Also, it just, I was projecting like, why wouldn't everyone want to kneel? You know, it's maybe other people, it just, we all sort of want certain things from certain people. And especially when we don't know them personally, it's really easy to just project and say, you should be doing this. You should be speaking out on this. And I think it's so great when, when athletes do speak out and use their platform for whichever cause they feel strongly about, but mean wanting and expecting and, and looking down on the fact that they're not is, is, is also not a great place to operate from. Hmm. But a good awareness that you were able to figure that out. I think it's yeah. <laughs> so easy to expect that of our. I mean, it's <laughs> that's a good place to start. I think it's. I think it's really easy to expect great and perfect things of our noble stars, right. and they're just people. I mean, they're just people who like happen to be the right height at when they were nine years old and they made the baseball team and they were in sixth grade. And then they, you know, then it like, you know, you kind of get lucky and you combine luck with talent and a lot of hard work and less amounts of hard work. And then here you are and you're one of a tiny percentage of people to make it to that particular position, but you, and you have feelings about issues and you have, and you have a heart and a family and you have people who care about you and who you care about. And I think it's really, I think, I don't know, Abigail, actually, maybe, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think on, in some ways, I really believe that when you have power and privilege, it, it is your responsibility to use it mm-hmm. wisely and well. And even if you're not, even if you don't really know exactly how to do that, or even if you're not comfortable doing that, I think you should still do it. Right. <laughs> and at the same time, I think... I I expect have really high standards for what I expect famous people to be doing. Why? They're just famous. Like they're not, you know. So I don't know. This is a I, I, I don't have a clear answer about this. I I liked what you said about how you were really disappointed and angry, and then kind of not disappointed and angry anymore. Kind of just like, well, maybe it's just me. <laughs> but you didn't really come to like a clear answer. I think that's more realistic. Yeah. Thank you so much for for calling in and giving me all this time. These are such important things to me that seem so abstract, but I feel like can be used in a more concrete way as long as they're figured out. Mm. So I appreciate it. Thank you for your time and for give me so many things to think about <laughs> back at you um, <laughs> yeah so we will we'll talk soon okay all right thanks carrie bye, bye.